to Woodland War Machine, the first episode of our Root Podcast. Yeah. What's up, Sam? What's up, Kyle? Hey. Hey. <laughs> How's it going, Jake? Oh, I'm doing so well, and I'm so eager to talk about Root, uh, especially how to get good at this game that the three of us really love. Absolutely. It, it is not an easy game to get good at. And the barrier to entry for a new player can be a little steep for this game. But don't you worry, listeners <laughs> and Root fans alike, we've got you covered. Yeah, and before we do get started into the in-depths of this, uh, I should say if you are unfamiliar with Root or maybe not as familiar with the game as you'd like to be before we delve into these tips and tricks for uh, the basics of Root, you might want to go back to our episode zero where we talk about uh, just what the game is in a, in a nutshell and we describe all the major components in it. And uh, today we'll be deciphering those in a much more uh, knowledgeable way. So you should know how to play the rules at a very basic level before you delve into this pod. Yeah, absolutely. We're not going to be able to teach you how to play uh, through a podcast. That seems a little crazy. There is a lot of great materials out there to teach yourself the game or to, ha or to watch a video or anything like that. Um, but today we're going to be talking about kind of the skills that you develop and the ways you can uh, kind of get over that first hurdle of learning this kind of complicated game in order to you, for you to enjoy it a little faster. So Root is, I, I mean, it looks so friendly. The box, the art is so nice. Yeah. It looks so quaint and so easy. And you take some cards and you move your little meeples. But I think it's fair to say this game is difficult. Yeah. Challenging. Yeah. Challenge, challenging. Great use of the word. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And there's a number of things that make it challenging. I think the biggest thing is this game's asymmetry, right? The fact that I can't look at Kyle's turn and see what he did and then do that on my turn to you know repeat that strategy because our mm -hmm. factions might work in completely different ways. And they do. Uh, there's actually been several games where because I am not as knowledgeable as you two, where I've played, I've just like been ignoring your side of the board in terms of what you're doing because I don't understand. Such as when we played against uh, <laughs> Sam, my buddy Josh and I did, and Sam played the Lizard Cult, and I really, uh, I had no concept of what was happening until his things hit the board, and then I understood uh, it meant trouble. That's pretty <laughs> much how I deciphered that. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I learned a lot from losing that game. <laughs> yeah. We're going to, yeah, you're going to learn a lot through your losses, but we're also going to try to kind of uh, teach you how to teach yourself to get the most out of each game you play and learn the most from each game you play. Uh, let's kind of get started with these kind of before you play tips. All right, so for me, the number one thing that is going to help you succeed at uh, learning this game is finding a consistent group of people that are about your skill level to play this game with, to help fall in love with this game with you because um, you're going to need other people's brains to help you kind of uh, see the whole picture of this game. Uh, also on top of just, you know, everything's better when you're enjoying it with friends. That is no different <laughs> for the game of Root. And it, it makes uh, learning it more enjoyable. And the more you enjoy learning something, the faster you're going to learn it. So that's a huge thing. Yeah, and if you already love Root and just need a group of people to play it with, a good spot to find... Uh, other great people is on the Woodland Warriors Discord. They have a Looking for Games channel. Also, people who listen to this podcast, let us know where you're playing Root Games, and uh, I'd love to see a little community form. I think that'd be pretty awesome. Yeah. If you already have a group of people that you like to play with, but they don't know Root yet, 
Well, you're going to have to stick around for our next episode on how to teach Root. Yeah, and buckle up because it's a it's a job and a half to teach this game. But <laughs> get your group first is the first tip here. Uh, I'll piggyback on Kyle's comment about Woodland Warriors Discord, where an already existing community of big Root fans already exists. I'm also say that the Good Time Society Discord will definitely be starting a channel called Woodland War Machine, and you should join us there for discussions about this podcast and uh, all games that we'll be playing of Root. Heck yeah. Yeah, yeah hopefully we'll have some uh, some chances to play some like how-to-play games where uh, Kyle, Jake, and I can like lead groups uh, through their first games of Root so we can kind of get everybody on the same page as quickly as possible. Love that plan. Um, so let's talk about that consistent group. Uh, like you say, find people that are your same skill level and uh, same interest level, I think is a really key concept there, right? Is making yeah. sure that they want to play again. <laughs> Yeah, and a lot of uh, a lot of these things are going to be aimed at making sure you come back because, unfortunately, Root isn't like Ticket to Ride or Quacks of Quidlinburg or a game where you can just <laughs> is that how you say it? Yeah. Oh no, that's great! Oh, I was okay. such a I love that game, and it's so random you brought in Quacks of Quidlinburg. <laughs> I do. I I like that game too, and that's a, a great example of a game you don't need to know how to play it before your first time playing it, and you're gonna have a great time, right? That's a good point. That's a good point. Root, unfortunately, is not like that. Uh, Cole Worley said, we're trying to make good games, not fun games. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, in your first plays of Root, that'll be apparent that that is the case. Um, wait, wait, hold on. Uh, wait, <laughs> but before we get too far to this, I got to say, I don't know if I agree with the designer about his attitude towards his own game. And I maybe that's very haughty of me, considering I had nothing to do with the creation of this game. But, like, the game is fun. Yeah. The mechanics of it is fun. The things that we find difficult about it are also fun. Maybe, maybe it's not ticket to ride fun but like i still find it very entertaining well yeah he uh, he specifically I, i'm kind of taking that out of context a bit he's definitely saying that he doesn't want to just deliver positive feelings in a game he wants to <laughs> have you run the whole gambit of emotions and uh and you will when you play root you will feel betrayal i feel like the <laughs> only time my best friend kyle and i have ever yelled at each other was over root games <laughs> right oh yeah yeah it's uh it's a game where you are given permission to be your most like ruthless strategic self yeah and uh i feel like that's really fun yeah the game it's very sturdy kind of conceptually and mechanically and i feel like that just makes it a good platform for fun experiences and like interesting game narratives mm -hmm. i don't know I, every root game is so different I think that just is a credit to like how like well built it is. It's just such a cool engine of a game. Yeah. And the cutthroat nature of the game where you are constantly competing really for like board space and uh, access to clearings and other different very crucial things for your strategy uh, forces you to be confrontational. And as Kyle mentioned, it's like you get to be your most aggressive self. Is that what you said? <laughs> yeah, your most ruthless strategic self. Ruthless. Ruthless <laughs> is a great way to, to phrase that because generally friends shouldn't be ruthless to each other. But in the magic circle of the game, right, that's exactly what we have permission to do, which is to just be warlords. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, speaking of games that you two have played together, uh, the next piece of advice that we have before you play is watching playthroughs of other people. Right. Which you two both have plenty of experience in. Right. And I, I, I would if I was giving this a, this same talk a year ago, I probably would not have put this on the list because 
on YouTube, there are many, many playthroughs of Root of people playing their first games of Root, and you will see a lot of <laughs> rules mistakes in these videos. Uh, but th luckily for you, listener, there are so many high-level, uh, you know, rules-correct versions of Root, which is hard to do. This game is hard to play correctly. And uh, they are on uh, Space Cat's Peace Turtles uh, YouTube or Twitch has a ton of great uh, tournament games, which are very accurate and uh, have high level play. Also, Garrick S on Twitch and YouTube. He uh, He's in the Woodland Warriors Discord. If you're on that Discord, you've probably seen his name. Uh, his Twitch channel and YouTube also has many great playthroughs of Root. So I would encourage you, if you can look at a screen and deal with looking at Tabletop Simulator, if that doesn't make you run for the hills, <laughs> I would strongly encourage you to watch some of those videos. We'll put a link to both of those examples in the description of this podcast for sure. And for clarifications, we're, 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 we're recording this episode during quarantine time, so uh, pretty much everybody's playing Root digitally right now. Uh, and as we mentioned in Episode Zero, there is the digital version of Root, which uh, exists on Steam and a few other apps, which has pretty much just the base game right now. And then there's the Tabletop Simulator Workshop version, which has everything, including a lot of scripted uh, uh, stuff as well. We'll put a link for that workshop version as well for those of you that own Tabletop Simulator, which can also be found on Steam. And Sam, I remember the days when you and I would comb through the internet, uh, YouTube and Twitch, just anywhere, looking for a full-length game of Root that was played uh, kind of like beyond the very, very beginner level. Right. And we were just so like desperate for content like that. And it feels like in the last six to eight months, there has just been an explosion of really interesting really great games played by really experienced players uh and it, all of it is just pr basically just free to watch online and uh I, I know for me personally part of my journey of becoming a stronger root player definitely involved like watching other people play and sort of absorbing their their like ideas and uh it just it helped me to see the game from a different angle and uh it's it's really great that there's so much of that out there right now yeah yeah, it's so interesting to watch somebody, uh, you know, play a faction in a way that you hadn't thought or, or or weren't anticipating and then see how it plays out. And then maybe you also go, hey, I wonder if that'll play out for me. And you'll find that when someone hasn't seen a strategy before, it works very differently than when somebody has seen a strategy before. And all of that is part of learning and getting better at root. So, uh, you know, watch that new strategy, bring it into your game, see how it goes. Uh, all these kind of experiments, highly encouraged. It's strategy too, but it's also just even small little nuances and things that people do, right? It's the way that people talk to each other in the game as well. You can learn a lot from that. I don't have a, a perfect example of this right now, but I know that I've actually definitely watched people, how people organize their game pieces. <laughs> I've actually learned things from that because it, it seems very minor, but actually you can only recall so much information. And so you need visual reminders of what you have. And if you're, pieces or your, like your resources of certain games this isn't root centric but are all piled up in different places you might not remember what you have access to but if you better organize your stuff in front of you and i've taken inspiration from many games i've seen online of other people playing uh it can really inspire you to remember even small little tactics or nuances that might change your whole game uh, an example that i can think of from my own history is uh watching a player grab a dominance card from the discard pile as the lizards and that be like a part of their kind of normal gameplay, it totally blew my mind. I was like, I never would have thought 
of trying that. And now you watch a Lizards game and it's like every game they're do the Lizards player is doing that. And uh, I, yeah, that's just something you kind of pick up from watching other great players do their thing. And uh, to be clear, because the lizards can grab out of the discard, you mean that they can actually take the dominance and like assert that, uh, like go for the dominance objective with that? No, and that's the funny thing is like they they basically would use the dominance card for its suit mm-hmm. uh, rather than using it to like go for the alternate win condition of a dominance victory. Got it. Uh, it's a, a kind of counterintuitive to use a dominance card in that way. But as soon as I saw a Lizards player do that and score points or build a garden or, you know, whatever their strategy was at the time, <laughs> I like, I immediately latched onto that. Uh, I just felt like it was so clever. Well, yeah, that was clever. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like it was so clever. <laughs> Sorry, one second. <laughs> Good boy, Tucker. I don't like it when they take from discard. <laughs> well, let's talk rules then, uh, because yeah. this is the this is the real meat and potatoes part of this game. Because the rules, once you understand what is universally true about the board and the cards, and I guess the players at the table, are not technically that complex, and there's really not that many of them. There's very specific wordings of what certain moves mean in terms of like move and battle and ruling a clearing and what all those mean but that's just like what like a tenth of what truly the rules are because those those even though those are the general rules the specific rules of each faction are where every nuance just goes to town right absolutely yeah and this is why this game is hard to play accurately because unless everybody knows exactly what everyone can do it becomes really hard to say hey, you're doing that rule wrong. If I'm a new player, I don't know how the birds work. I'm just playing my faction. I'm worried about that. So, you know, a lot of rules can get lost in that soup if you don't have uh, one person that knows what they're doing. So if you are in a new group where everybody's new, first of all, that's awesome because you guys are all going to fall in love with this game together, which is great. But it becomes even more important for everyone to stay on top of their own rules the best they can. Um, I, I remember Kyle in our group, I think it, it took us 15, 20 games before I felt confident that we weren't making rules mistakes uh, because you, you know, we'd be playing root and we'd be like, Oh great. And then it'd be like, wait, the vagabond has to exhaust an item to aid. And we're like, Oh, we haven't done that before, you know, or, or stuff like that where it, it, t- it took a couple plays and there's so many, uh, there's so much rules overhead that it's important. You don't get discouraged when you're learning the game. Uh, you're going to go, can I do this? And the answer is almost always no, okay? <laughs> it is. It just is. Root is so just, restrictive. Just brace yourself for disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> but don't don't get mad and don't get discouraged when you hear that because Root is a restrictive game of what you can do. And then once you have facility over those restrictions, you'll be amazed about how you can actually bend those with the other factions at the table to, to accomplish what you want. But it will be a little discouraging at first. It takes some kind of experimentation and it takes some kind of messing it up to uh, to have a lot of these things really like sink in. Uh, and it, this is going to lend itself to our, our next suggestion here, which is the best way to learn the rules is to just focus on your own board. Just focus on your own faction for that game. If you're just starting out, try and do your best to like nail all the you know weird like little intricate rules for your asymmetric faction uh and if everyone at the table is doing that uh, like a decent enough job at that 
you're going to have a really strong game of Root. And then after a while, you kind of like build that mental matrix of how everything kind of fits together. It, it just, you, you got to kind of go around the circle of factions and, and yeah. try them out. As an example, I played, I think my first game ever, I played the Eerie Dynasty. And the nature of their decree, is that what it's called? The order yeah. of their operations? That was like the only thing I could focus on because that's <laughs> that's all of your focus when you're playing those birds. And so I wasn't always aware of like where the vagabond was or when where the sympathy was getting uh, risen up by the alliance. And I was definitely paying a lot of attention to the cats because the eerie and the cats are the dominant forces of the board in the early part of the game, especially in the standard uh, setup where it's just those first four factions. But I remember just having to focus so much on the intricacies of what I could do that, like, I didn't even understand what the Alliance was doing or the Vagabond until they were in my zone. <laughs> I, what I'll say, too, is that, like, that kind of tunnel vision actually is sort of really fun in the early mm -hmm. stages of Learning Root, too, because you're like, yeah. wait, so what's happening? They're revolting in this yeah. clearing? I, I just feel like the story of the game is so fun and interesting and surprising when you've got that kind of faction tunnel vision on your own board i agree and i think i was i was better i was better served by not knowing like my ignorance was a gift in that way because i didn't stress out about what they could or couldn't do and uh focus too much on that when making my decisions i just kind of played a little bit my own game but i also was obviously looking at the board and what dynamics were happening there but i couldn't worry about their micromanagement and that's where you know analysis analysis paralysis would kick in normally so i was blessed to not have that because of uh my not understanding what was going on yeah, you, you just yes. have to give yourself the freedom to be like, I don't understand you, but I'm going to battle you. Um, <laughs> and, and you know, and you'll learn your lessons that way. I mean, ultimately, I mean, that is war, right? It is war. I yeah. don't understand you, but I'm going to destroy you. <laughs> I, I, I honestly that that's what it is. Like the asymmetric nature of the things like makes me like literally not understand your whole way of life. <laughs> and I just need to get into your space to build a roost. And I'm sorry. Look, I don't I'm know sorry. why you are the way you are, but I'm taking this clearing. <laughs> Which, um, it's funny that you guys are saying this later on, kind of keep your head down, down, focus on your own board, because my next piece of advice here is to try every faction, to not worry about, you know, you have your game with the Eerie Dynasties, you're like, okay, this programming thing, blah, maybe do it again, but I, my biggest piece of advice is just move on, get the gist of what it is, and move on, because now you understand your faction, and you understand the birds player a little bit now. So you can understand what they can do and then you can learn on your own. And it, because ultimately this game uh, to get that next level of understanding to, to kind of get out of the exploration phase is to uh, play each faction and understand what each one brings to the table. But Sam, let's say I'm one of those players that really likes to master one corner of a game before I move on. Yeah. What, what do I do with that advice? I would say go against your instincts. In, in the game of Root, it is so about the balance of factions at the table and the abilities that are uh, available to each player that that almost defines what this game is. So if you are like, oh, I'm a Woodland Alliance main, that's fine if you understand everybody else. But if you end the game going, I don't understand how the Lizards player won, well, then now you should probably play the mm -hmm. Lizard Cult. Mm -hmm. yeah, I think it's an order of operations thing. I think it's uh, it's really fun to try out all the factions and see what you're drawn to. And then once you have a good kind of like general understanding of how everybody's doing their thing, 
pick one that you really like and like go deep on it. That's one of the other ways to get really good at Root is to deep dive into one faction. Mm-hmm. So hmm. there's there's not just one kind of generalist strategy that works all the time. It's it's also really rewarding to like, uh, for me personally, like digging into the Woodland Alliance has been super rewarding. Like I n- never would have thought that I would spend as much time thinking about that faction as I now have. Yeah, <laughs> It's taught me uh, a lot about the other factions to, to do that. Now, I will say this is in the context of the fact that Kyle has looked at all the other factions very extensively and so does know them. So his mastery still comes with that context. You know, the the thing that Sam mentioned, which is that, you know, every faction plays its own way, but they also play differently depending on who they're playing against right. and the situation on the board. So though you may play uh, one faction uh, one way in your first game, you might have a completely different scenario with that exact same faction in another game. That's right. Yeah. And we are uh, we are not experts on uh, every on the intricacies of every single matchup, but we are the people who like to talk about root the most. So <laughs> <laughs> stick around with us. We're all going to learn together. Uh, my journey of root mastery is not complete. Though though our journey is is only beginning. Uh, I would say you two are experts, and I don't know what would qualify someone to be an expert that you two aren't. Like what? Who's who's more of an expert than you, and why? Uh, right. I refuse to have this argument. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Cool. Uh, what's our next tip then, Sam? Uh, well, this is a big one. And this is, you're going to want to take your time. And this means, you know, taking enough time on your turn to understand what you can do on your turn. But also give yourself a break in that after three games, you're like, oh, I played all different factions just like they said why don't I understand it yet? It's like everything comes in time, right? It takes a while to kind of like put together that like mesh of understanding of kind of uh, with our earlier thing of reread the rules. Like that stuff isn't going to sink in immediately. And uh, yeah, you just got to give yourself time to like absorb it all. It's it's a, it's a lot of, of like small little things to keep in your head at once <laughs> yeah th- those small little things are, are crucial like uh going back to the eerie dynasty example uh you can't put up two bird cards in your decree in one turn right no. okay well that's a th- that's a pretty crucial understand or a pretty crucial rule for understanding what you can do on your turn when you have a very full hand and maybe multiple bird cards and bird cards are of course wild so they make the most diverse options in your decree but Knowing that detail, which is just one line in the rules, it's it's one sentence that's easy to miss in what thirty pages of rules or whatever the book is. Like that's a uh, that's something that can easily get glossed over, but really defines what you can and can't do in a game. Yeah, you absolutely want to give yourself the time to have those like aha moments about each of the factions, kind of as you play, and also just in order to like enjoy playing root, like. You can't just, like, hit a button and download it all instantly. Like, the process of encountering all the different, you know, like, crazy things that the moles can do. Or, oh my god, there's a plot. Like, what could it be? Sort of, like, grappling with all the, the things that go on in this game. It's fun to spread that out over time. More enjoyable. All right. Cool. Well, that's before you play. I think we've got a good idea of prepping. So what happens once you get playing a game of Root? Yeah, well, if these are your first few games, I would encourage all the players at the table to play it fairly open-handed. Now, you don't actually have to show everyone what cards you have. You can. 
because we are all using these games as learning games, I think it's good to be like, oh, uh, I'm going to try to get to that clearing and attack the cats or whatever it is. And being pretty forthright with your information. We'll get to hiding information and like making people seem like you're not the target. Okay. That's a <laughs> whole part of Root, but that is not learning the game of Root. Yeah. Okay. First, we, we need to have a little bit more facility. And the best way to do that is everyone to be as transparent as they can with what they want, what they're trying to do, and maybe what they, uh, what they see as somebody else uh, trying to do. Now, it is a game of warfare and a very competitive game of that, too. So maybe you don't want to necessarily telegraph your whole objective for winning the game, but it's good to dictate what you're doing on your turn, especially as you do it, because even you saying those things out loud helps get the rules in your brain. And then other people hearing it, it helps get the rules in their brain. So if you are especially if you are playing another faction, which there's there's no two factions that are alike, as you declare how your faction works and make your moves and your battles and uh, assert your dominance in a clearing uh then the other players will at least begin to by osmosis start to grasp the abilities of your faction even if they don't understand exactly how it works that's so right jake i think you're so right about that narrating your turn now roots a game where you basically you just go down your faction board and you make a few choices you know yeah it, it tells you at so you should just say, all right, it is my bird song. I am placing a wood at each of my sawmills. Now it is daylight. I am going to craft this card or whatever. <laughs> going down the list, saying it all out loud, help. Yeah, just like you said, Jake, helps you remember and it helps other people absorb that information because pretty soon they're going to be the cats. Shout out to all game designers out there who make a order of operations cheat sheet or something on their board that is a handy reference. Uh, every game designer should do some version of that. And I'm so glad that Leader Games made such nice, very beautiful versions of this for every faction and every faction that plays wildly differently. Yeah, it, it's so true. And, and we'll get into this with my my preferences and learning and uh, uh, games as opposed, you know, people learn games in different ways. But for me, I'm a huge order of operations person. I need to know the order, the turn structure. And with Root, that is the game is you're looking at your faction board and it tells you what your unique turn structure is. Mm hmm. Yeah, I feel like this game and a lot of other strategy games that really your your strategy always kind of depends on when am I allowed to do this? Yep. This being anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and Root has very precise guardrails about a lot of that stuff. Like it's you know, the different types of actions are locked into you know, the phase of turn. And like you said there's that really helpful guide on the player board. Uh, but this does lead us to the next thing that you should do during play in order to get good, which is check your work. You know, you have the guide right there in front of you. Uh, I, I had this written down. Often your biggest opponent in a game of Root is your own brain. So, <laughs> what do you mean by that, Kyle? I, I just mean that, like, during a game of Root, often by making a silly mistake on your turn with your set of actions, you set yourself back more than anyone else's, like, brilliant strategy would. So check your work. Take your time. Don't rush it. Uh, kind of, like look over your turn before you start kind of doing a bunch of things because it'll just help to make everything work together and, and work towards winning the game instead of uh, having a lot of like clashes and in, inside your own turn. I, I've made so many silly blunders. <laughs> well, not even and blunders so much as like 
a choice early on that might have affected you in a much more negative way that either you should have foreseen or maybe you couldn't have foreseen necessarily, right? So checking your work also goes against the things, just the decisions that you made that might have even been good at the time but aren't now. It's not just your blunders. And a great way to practice this is specifically with the Eerie Dynasties faction. Since the whole decree mechanic is just about like planning out your turn coming up. And it really forces you to kind of uh, you know, like practice that muscle of uh, seeing, you know, each step in the turn, how it's going to unfold and like what you can do. Um, I, I, yeah, if you if you feel like during a game of Root, uh, you kind of like get fuzzy brained or lose track of when and where you're supposed to do stuff. Practice with the Eerie Dynasties a little bit to, you know, get some reps in. Yeah, feel and, good uh, about failure because that's a part of your life is the Eerie Dynasty. <laughs> The only faction that can lose points. (laughs) The only faction where, like, regularly you're like, all right, here comes a huge problem. This is (laughs) of my own choosing. Yeah. I will say that I feel like the last game I played against Eerie, like, somebody like Jules or somebody played the whole game without turmoiling once. Yep. You guys are both nodding so confidently like that's common. I've never seen that before. It's it's not easy to do that that yeah. it takes a lot of skill to make it through a whole game of root without turmoiling is the and a favorable I mean. board situation i assume yeah i think other people have to not come after you a little bit mm-hmm. i mean you can mm-hmm. play it pretty safe and make it really annoying to come after you and and ruin your decree but usually it ends up being the right move for the table <laughs> at some yeah. point you got to break the birds yeah i want to add a uh, little asterisk to this uh check your work thing too is like uh it's easy to assume that like an error you made or a blunder quote unquote that you made is like necessarily going to be a game changer too, or was something that you need to correct. Whereas maybe two turns later, boy, it sure is thankful that you had those warriors in that clearing, for instance, or uh, that you held on to that card that you meant to craft. So just remember that the game state changes uh, way too often in this game. Like when I say too often, I mean so much of endgame root is like figuring out what the board will be just a turn later because that's when you could potentially win. And there's very little ways to predict that. It's so move by move. Every single player's turn just changes everything on the board near the end. It's great. But yeah, never give up. Never give up. That's one of my like core pieces of, uh, you know, like advice. Like always, always strive, even if you are convinced that you've made an error. Keep fighting. Yeah. Keep fighting. You could still pull it out. Like people might leave you alone if they're convinced that you made an error and then suddenly you have enough room to come back and win the game. Like, Root is just, it's like that sometimes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love uh, watching these uh, Space Cats, Peace Turtles uh, tournament games. And you'll see in the chat, someone will make a decision in the game. And in the chat, people are debating that car- that player's decision, right? Is it a good, was it a good decision? Was it a bad decision? And as the turn goes away from them and you see how the other players have reacted to that decision, you'll see that, everyone's mind keeps changing on whether that action a turn ago was the right decision. And it it just goes to show you the context keeps changing. So yeah, like you guys said, don't give up. You never know. This could be the space you need to win the game. I've seen crazy comebacks before. (laughs) Well, that's the thing about this game that like, not to tangent too far on this, you guys, but like, I feel like this game is all crazy comebacks because once we get into the end game where people are within whatever scoring distance tends to be, whether that's three points or 10 points, it kind of depends on the situation. It becomes a game of like, all right, we all need to stop this person, 
right now. Otherwise, the game ends. And then next turn, we'll deal with whoever's going to win. <laughs> like, it's constantly, like, stopping the other people, right? Yeah. That's going to be hard to do in your first games if you're learning Root. Uh, that is hard to know who's in a good position because, spoiler alert, it's not all points on the board. Right. Uh, you will find quickly you'll learn a lesson about the Woodland Alliance where you're like, hey, I thought they only had 16 points. How'd they win the game in one turn, you know? Yeah. And you'll learn that lesson. So you, you got to... As you play more and more, you'll realize what a good position for each faction is, even if they're not in the lead on the scoreboard. What is it that those, what do we have to look out for, right? You guys, you've mentioned, you know, the big decisions in the game. Yeah, I think this is this is one important way to uh, improve your own play is that during a game, if there's like a big decision point, if you're confronted with uh, a choice to choose to attack someone or to go you know there's like a fork in the road and you're not really sure which way to go my advice is just like take a photo of that board state like you know screenshot it pull out your phone and take a quick photo and then just make a choice and kind of just see how it turns out but it's really really useful to have like have captured an image of a board state where you were faced with a big choice um in chess this is called like a critical position but you can usually feel when they happen, when you're looking at the board and you're like, oh boy, like, wow, I could do this one thing or I could go the other way. Just pause, take a photo, and then later, after the game, like, pull it up, talk about it with the people at the table, like, think about it at home. Uh, just having a little bit of this sense of, like, reviewing what happened is going to help you improve really quickly. And it's very simple to do. and It helps you get good really quick. It is very simple, and I will say, like, at the outset, it sounds like something that would be uh, overly micromanagey, or I don't know if the, that's the exact word, but, like... Uh, well, it's not oh. a word, so... <laughs> <laughs> Fair point. Uh, it sounds a little try-hard, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I that's what I'm saying, is, like, oh, who wants to put the effort into documenting their decision, especially when we're all, like, just having a casual game, right? But you make an excellent point, Kyle, is, like, when you look at it later without the context of the game, it's it's or without the context of being in the game at that exact moment, you look at it with fresh eyes, right? Exactly. Uh, that is the best way to learn is with, with a different perspective. And I will say that we should also shout out Kyle's YouTube channel, which I'll also put a link to the description below, where uh, Kyle puts on these screenshots and game states and actually puts you in a puzzle of Root uh, mid-game and has you make those cr uh, crucial critical decisions. Yes. Drop yeah, you like, into a critical moment, and uh, you have to figure out the best kind of path forward. And it's a it's just a fun way to kind of practice that uh, that mentality of like take your time, check your work, and kind of approach <laughs> it with a bit of creativity. You know? Yeah. If you are struggling to find people to play root with, uh, this is going to help you improve your game without actually having to sit down and play it. Kyle's puzzle videos are really good. It's like almost like in the paper how there'd be like a chess position or a bridge hand or something. He puts you right in a position and you have to solve your way out of it. It's very good. Very good. Excellent. Well, as much as we keep talking about checking your work, uh, before we make this feel too much like uh, an academic exercise or even uh, <laughs> a laborious one, we should remember that this is still a game and we still should be having a whole lot of fun. So always bring in a fun game-like attitude. I mean, if you're going to be a part of like a group that plays Root and something that if you know the thought is in your mind like, hey, I want to get better at this game like that I really enjoy, it's useful to be fun to play with. 
and to kind of like practice those good habits of like being a fun player uh, of a game. <laughs> yeah, this this extends to all games and sports and all of that. Saying good luck, good game, uh, not cheating. Uh, you know, in route, you'll probably end up cheating unknowingly a, a few hundred times before you can correct yourself, <laughs> but try to not cheat. Um, and uh, if you see that somebody like, I don't know, uh, didn't score their points or something, you know, make sure that they get all their points. Respect your opponent's strength, you know? If they're beating you, acknowledge that. You don't need to scrape by. You can learn more from watching the game being played correctly than you are going to if you cheat. Also, yeah, if you win because someone forgot to score points, what a hollow win that must feel like. Um, yeah, it's crazy. And and don't give up. That's that's one of my whole things about sportsmanship, especially in Root, is like, never give up. It may seem bleak and lost, and sometimes it is, but you know what? <laughs> Just hang in there. Try your best to win the game, even if it seems impossible, because it's root crazy things can happen yeah can yeah. happen yeah yeah it, it's a war ecosystem of a game right and when you remove your section of the ecosystem because you're like i don't know it feels like i might not win you're really throwing off the whole game for everybody else so it's important to strive to win the game is designed so that you must strive to win and yeah and so that's an important part yeah good good point kyle and lastly, uh, battle the vagabond. That's <laughs> <laughs> good table manners. Battle the vagabond. So is this yeah. a meta? Is this a meta rule you want included in? Uh, like, so let's say, what year is it? It's 2021. In yeah. the year 2021, no one used to battle the vagabond, but we're going to start a trend right now, which is that the vagabond should be fought against. I, well, it's sort of like it, right now. It's considered that uh, you know part of the strategy of winning a game of root is you have to suppress the vagabond but i just want to move it past like strategic thinking and just make it like straight up like it's good etiquette to battle yeah. the vagabond make that little bastard pay yeah <laughs> you will probably have to do what we what we're gonna call table policing which is when you you know you extend your position a little bit to try to take out somebody else. Maybe you battle away one of their buildings. Maybe you're just clearing out some warriors. In the Vagabond case, maybe you're just d destroying some items. But uh, eventually, it's going to come around to where you need to do a little policing. And this is good for your own game, too, because if other people don't get policed, they might run away with the game, which will be the story of a, a few of your first games, probably. To be clear, by policing, you mean making sure that no one gets too far ahead? That's right. Okay. Yes, it is a war game. Uh, it's designed so that you have to like apply pressure to the other people at the table. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's too often in early games, people just let the vagabond win and run away with it. <laughs> They're like, oh, come over here and I'll give you an item and you give me a card. And it should be like, come over here so I can attack you. <laughs> so I can knock your lights out. <laughs> well, now we need to remember too that we're still talking about like being fun to play with and having a good sports person-like attitude. <laughs> yeah. Yes, uh, by totally. Having a good this attitude. is a little bit of a cheeky one. This is a cheeky yeah. one. It's, it is a bit meta for sure. Well, no, but what I want to say though is that like within the magic circle of the game, and I, uh, for those of you that don't know what the magic circle is, it's like th there's a new reality that happens once you start playing the game, which is that you're all suddenly enemies. And that's okay because yeah. 
outside of the circle, which is outside of the game, we're all still friends. So we should come into the circle uh, and take the role of enemies, but remember that in life we are still friends and we need to treat each other with respect uh, in terms of how we talk to each other, but we certainly don't need to have our warriors cheat each other with respect. They can uh, be as disrespectful as they want, especially by killing the vagabond. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, there's no need to get personal there is so much theme there to rely on you don't have to be like jake you smell bad that's why i'm attacking you you can be like you cat bastard i will (laughs) i will kill you for overtaking this forest yeah yeah your problems with the cat not with me exactly yeah and uh also if you get overly aggressive and if you choose not to be a, a good sport in the game well that's gonna bring heat on you possibly and people who might not be thinking logically also might have aggression towards you and might make bad moves against you because you're a jerk <laughs> yeah let's be real if it's 50 50 between two people and i'm not going to win and one person's been a jerk the whole game <laughs> yeah, yeah it's such an easy decision you know <laughs> so keep that in mind as much as it's a game of warfare there is still some diplomacy it's not a two-player game. It's a four-player game. Yeah. There is a social dynamic to root, mm-hmm. and that is certainly going to be a topic of a future episode. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So before the game, we have a lot of ideas. During the game, we definitely have plenty of things to keep in mind. So do we? what do we do after a game? My first piece of advice is to not put the game away. In that winning board state, uh, Kyle had mentioned maybe taking a a, a photo. This is the end of the game. This is probably worth a photo as well. But you could just leave it on the table and everyone can kind of openly discuss uh, kind of how we came to the end of this game. Uh, This is honestly almost as much fun as playing the game. (laughs) Is sitting there dissecting, going like, I guess we just didn't attack them enough. Or now when they took that clearing, I thought that they were screwed, you know, because that's so far out of the way, but it actually gave them the room they needed. So it'll obviously be hard to analyze a game. If this is your first game, you'll be like, I don't know how it was supposed to go. It went like that. But with each game, as you progress more and more, you'll be like, well, in the other game, we attacked that person and they weren't able to get out to that lead or something like that, right? So it's important to look at that last game state and everyone participate in kind of that post-game discussion. Exactly. It's super important to do a quick uh, autopsy of the game for sure. Also, it's fun though, too, because in a game of Root, usually there's a couple of people who are almost gonna win and then somebody you know takes it in the end and so having a chance to kind of like recap the full story of the game is just very satisfying just being able to appreciate somebody who came very close to winning or somebody who tried something really creative like having a a a chance to discuss that is very nice awesome and then what specifically in that analysis should we be looking for i mean i i think you're you're asking a lot of why questions right why did that person win I mean, maybe what could we have done differently, right? If you took a snapshot, like Kyle suggested, of a critical moment, was that a moment that, like, led to this game turning out the way it did? I don't know. This is the the time to, like, pull up that photo and just be like, (laughs) hey, remember when it was like this before and we went in this direction? Like look kind of what the outcome was like isn't that crazy right uh and i also like to specifically ask like what was the action or more likely the inaction that led to one player winning the game absolutely yeah and i i i think you're right kyle i'm gonna say in 85 percent of the times it's inaction 
that led to someone winning. Oh, yeah. interesting. What you mean by that is what someone didn't do or is the inaction is that a crucial move could have been done to stop the momentum of the winning player and wasn't. So we're analyzing a lack of a move. Yeah. In fact, yeah, I think a lot of people think I'm just going to kind of turtle in my place, but unless you're in the lead and have your engine totally online, most likely what you're going to need to do is help keep everyone Mm -hmm. else from getting too far ahead of Mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. It's often the player or faction that is not, uh, you know, dealt with that pulls away and wins the game. Um, And by deal with, I mean, like, you know, is attacked a lot. (laughs) Right. If they've left to their own devices, they're going to take it from us, right? So we need to interfere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, also, Kyle, yeah, he's saying dealt with because these factions are very different. And what you need to do to some is pretty different than what you need to do to others, right? With uh, the birds, it might just be taking out a roost. But with the Vagabond, it might be dealing like 10 damage, (laughs) you know? A good example, too, is like the lizards. You know, one way to totally derail uh, a lizards player who's going to win the game, you know, you can attack their warriors and their gardens and stuff, but also you can kind of, through clever discarding or whatever, you can manipulate their outcast with uh, this, like, discard pile thing. There's there's often uh, a lot of creative ways to interfere with another player's engine to help kind of destabilize them so that they don't just run away with the game. And that is actually like a lot of root is contained in like, how do you, how do you fight well against your opponents at the table? Yeah. And to be fair, a lot of that's going to take knowledge of learning their factions. And when you are early on and you might not know everything about their factions, it's okay to not understand that out at the outset. But as you learn them, you'll realize that, oh, how they get what they require to win is sometimes dependent upon the other players, right? The lizards being a great example with what they get with their discard. So when you take this time to look at how they won from their perspective, you'll see the resources that were fed to them, both literally and well, not literally, very figuratively, <laughs> that were fed to them uh, for them to be able to uh, go into that game state to win. Whereas you might not have seen it from that perspective because you weren't looking at what they were gaining during the game. You were looking at what you were gaining and losing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah, I guess that's just like drives home the importance of that post-game discussion. Because no matter what level you're at, it is worth discussing how the game played out and what could have been done differently. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, speaking of uh, finishing the game, what happens when the game ends? Uh, well, if you won, that's amazing, and it feels <laughs> great. Um, but if you lost, which, you know, you're 75% likely to lose in a game of Root, right? There's four players. Uh, it, it hurts to lose a game, especially when you tried really hard. Uh, but that's the only way to learn and, and get better, is to play and, and lose and Try and fail. You basically just want to fail as hard as possible, and and that's the way to grow. Failing, <laughs> failing upward, we call it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's and the more you do it, the more you learn. And so I I find that to be like a really fun way to you know, just try something crazy. Try something that you thought of, and uh, you know if it crashes and burns, like there's something to be learned there. Yeah. But sometimes it works. And be graceful about it. I think uh, games like this 
are very easy to kind of get a little salty because the game is, as we mentioned in the end game, is about foiling others from winning so you can get a chance to win, right? So if you are a, a loser in this game, there's a good chance that someone did a conniving move to stop you from your game winning move. And that's gonna feel real bad. <laughs> uh, but just remember, you're only enemies during the game. You're great friends afterwards. That's true. Also, something can be learned, right? If you're like, oh, I'm in a great position. No one can stop me. And then you see somebody use a faction that maybe you're familiar with, maybe you're not familiar with, and use their abilities in a way that you did not foresee. Well, that is a big lesson to learn. <laughs> um, yeah, I think winning and losing gracefully is hugely important because at the end of the day, we want to keep our root group together. This 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 hopeful group that we've we've got together or if you're a part of the discord or whatever this goes double because this is a huge community of people and you don't want to be a jerk you want more people to play this game with you so you can get better so it just yeah. i mean even if you are a jerk just hold it in you know so you can get better at root that's what i'm saying and the, the perspective that i like is uh that the, the best feeling even better than just winning one of the games that you'll play the best feeling is the the feeling that you're growing in strength as a root player and feeling that like every time it comes back around to your turn, you're making like good moves. That feeling is so satisfying. Uh, and yeah, just keep your eye on the prize. Like getting stronger as a root player is such a worthwhile pursuit. Just focus on playing your best game and enjoy how it feels to get better at this amazing game. Yeah, more than any other game, I just care so much about getting better at it. Some like, like going back to it, I don't care about getting better at Ticket to Ride or Quacks of Quedlinburg. I don't. I like having fun <laughs> with that. But Root is just a game that rewards so much that deep dive into it. It's not a game that you can just throw on the table and everything's going to be fine. But if you get your group to a certain point with this game, then it's going to be a hit every single time. It's like a group that plays Twilight Imperium once a year or something like that. It can be that game that really just uh, binds people like glue to each other. Yeah, for sure. What is it about this game that does it for you in that way, Sam? Oh, I think I think it's welcoming with its theme. Like I would do anything to just live in this world of root. <laughs> I would. I love it so much. So I really. And I, I, I've said this a thousand times. Root is kind of like the first like next level board game I got into. Mm. And I think I wouldn't have gotten into it so much if it didn't have such a welcoming, awesome theme and world to live in. Yeah. Uh, so that's what initially drew me to it. And then like as I got better at it, that feeling of satisfaction of getting better at it, uh, when you coupled those two things, it, it just shot to be my favorite board game of all time so fast. The asymmetry of it, it just is what gets me because like, every game truly is different when you're playing with a different faction like mm -hmm. yeah the board might be technically the same but like the the way you're interacting with it is uh, completely completely different and not, not like twilight imperium where you like you might have a different economic move or different uh, uh abilities but with this it's like a <laughs> it's a different setup it's a different uh engine yeah there's like such an alchemy of you know it's four players it could be up to six or as small as two but you know, having four people around the table, like locking horns and sort of doing that thing in, like in rugby, they have the scrum, you know, where the only way that you get the game online is to like press against each other in such a way. It just, I feel like it is a, it's like a magic system for creating interesting tension 
in games. Yeah. Like, They've also widely designed it so you really quickly get to the fighting and, and to the interaction of it, whereas something like TI is like two hours of approaching deep space to actually even begin saying hello to your neighbors, which sometimes you generally start out with like a, a trade. <laughs> and then, <laughs> then things devolve over the next four hours. <laughs> but with this, it's just like, all right, I want this clearing. I also want this clearing. You're going to die. <laughs> yeah. And it scratches that itch, too, of, like, the, the puzzle-solving kind of, like, board state, kind of, like, moving around the board kind of quality. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, if you're a person who um, really likes having, like, a map to look at, uh, this this really scratches that itch, you know, like, how to, like, move your pieces around and, you know, watch your meeples slowly take over the forest. It's very cool. It's, it's really graphic and visual. <laughs> In a fun way. Well, that's kind of the main things that we wrote down for our three sections of before you play, during play, and after you play for getting better at Root. But I will I will ask you both just for a quick kind of Q&A section here. Like, what are your guys' like, favorite tips and tricks from someone who's kind of played the game a few times to getting into a better learning intermediate slash mastery mode? What do people need to keep an eye on? Yes. Tip number one is you your initial goal should be to get to an end game in root i think that's a that's a good goal to hold in mind and what i what i mean by an end game is like a, a state where all the players at the table have a shot to win the game on their turn so everyone's got like a really high score that's usually the sign of a good game of root where it's like really close you know yeah how does a player do that what like what do you mean get to an end game Right, and that's the that's the thing where like as you get better, the the path towards a, an end game like that gets a little less ambiguous. But it's mainly about like keeping your opponents in check, uh, you know, not letting one person, one faction run away with the game. Oh, getting to like a safe end game state where every I get what you're saying now, where everybody has a chance to score because not one person has put themselves in a position to score and they're the only one there. Exactly. Oh, and okay. often that will require some like limited cooperation with mm-hmm. your opponents. Mm-hmm. And it's just going to immediately teach you a lot of those really core root lessons about how it's a social game and about how you kind of like manage your, your tempi and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> it's funny. I was playing a three player game with Josh and Sam uh, a week ago and it, it pretty much I alternated between talking to Josh and Sam very openly between the three of us, but I would talk to them one at a time about how we needed to stop the other one. But I was always on <laughs> the aggressive side of that conversation. There was really no concern about stopping me because I was always the lowest of the points. <laughs> but I'd be like, okay, Josh, so we need to stop Sam. He's like, yeah, okay, so this is how we'll do it. And then the next turn I'd be like, so we need to stop Josh. And Sam's like, yeah, this is how we do it. And so uh, Sam still won. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm the worst person to make that deal with. Um, <laughs> no, I, I would say I think like my number one tip of like getting from like, say you like have a basic understanding of all the factions and then it's like what gets you to that next level play. And I think it's understanding the difference between points on the board and uh, points that people could potentially score. The Woodland Alliance, I think it's the first uh, uh, time you'll you'll come across this. Probably the Riverfolk Company is another great example of like you're like, I I, I didn't know it was too late. I, uh, by the time they got going, you know, and uh, so those are lessons you kind of have to learn retroactively. Like you can't give the Woodland Alliance all, all the cards. You really mm-hmm. want to avoid walking through their stuff unless you mm-hmm. have to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say yeah, just just being able to go like just because the cats are ahead by five points 
doesn't mean they're going to get their last 12 points very easily at all. You know, that advice can also be flipped on its head as if you are within what you believe to be striking distance. Uh, you can convince other players at the board that points on the board matter and hide the fact that you have more to gain on your turn, right? Yes, that that is that is the petty intermediate of Rue is being like, hey, guys, just because I'm ahead doesn't mean we should attack me. I'm not saying and it's a hard sell. It's a hard sell. <laughs> well, I'm not saying no, no, I'm not saying if you are the person that's ahead, but there's also the stealth version of like if you're in the middle of the pack somewhere, uh, making sure that you kind of stay in the middle of the pack and keep the heat off of you in some ways. Yes. And this is why it's important to be with uh, like skilled players, because mm -hmm. if you're an advanced player, it is very easily just to lie to people <laughs> and, and tell them anything you want and they'll believe you because you're an advanced player. So mm -hmm. uh, if you are going to already dip into the kind of dark arts of shading your points and stuff like that, <laughs> make sure everyone's a similar level, I'd say. Yeah, if everyone's equally petty or manipulative, <laughs> then it's, it's really fun. Hold on a second. <laughs> Back the train up. I'm not suggesting we be petty and manipulative, am I? What I'm asking is that, is that we recognize that the perception of points on the board is different than points that can potentially be scored, right? Right. And that while we're trying to correct it for ourselves, we have to notice that blindness in our opponents, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, also notice the blindness in ourselves and the fact that not only are we in that position, but our, our opponents and, I mean, no one is our ally, but our potential allies could be because we, we talk to people as if they're our allies when we are working with them to stop someone else. Yeah. Yes. An ally in Root is just defined by a common interest, not a permanent <laughs> bond of friendship or anything. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Great. Any other pieces of advice that you want to give before we call it a day? Never give up. That's my that's my like final advice to everybody. Don't give up. Don't give up on learning root. Don't give up on trying in the context of a root game. And don't give up on uh, on trying to get better at this very complicated board game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I and if you are, you know, if you have isolated your gaming group uh, from yourself because you introduced this game and they don't like it, um, I would just say join the Discord. You know, there's never an excuse not to play some Root. <laughs> <laughs> there's never an excuse to not play some Root. Oh, boy. Sam's judging you guys. So no, I think that. that's the t-shirt. <laughs> like, that's definitely, yeah, we're going to go with that. Well, on that note, I want to thank my co-hosts, Sam DeRose and Kyle Atchison, for being here and talking Woodland War Machine with me. Thank you both so much. Thank you, yeah, Jake. Jake. We're going to return next week, and we're going to talk about getting other people involved in this game where we learn how to teach Root. I'm very excited about that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> because this game, like we mentioned before, can well, you can teach it technically in like 10 minutes, but you really can't <laughs> in any way possibly teach it in 10 minutes. And you can't even learn it in like 10 games, right? Like, <laughs> oh, this is such a conundrum of a game we've decided to cover in terms well, of how I to define that, it. That's the point. That's why you need yeah. a podcast for a game like this. <laughs> So next week, we will break it down in terms of how you can get other people to play with you and have them love the game as much as we do. So thank you. We'll see you soon. See you guys. Fruit, 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 fruit. <laughs> <laughs>